Hello, my name's Gary. And my name is Simon. And this is episode 29 of EV Musings, a podcast about electric vehicles and things that are interesting to electric vehicle owners. On our podcast today, we'll be talking facts and figures, just how widespread is EV take-up, and what sort of data is out there regarding topics such as renewable power, energy efficiency, and chargers. But before we get started, I wanted to wish you a Happy New Year, Simon. What are your plans for this year? Yes, Happy New Year to you as well. I've, uh, I've kind of lost count the amount of times I've said that today. But <laughs> yeah, so for me this year will be, amongst other things, I suppose, more events such as EVs in the park, fully charged, obviously, that we uh, spoke about previously. I'll be also looking to grow my YouTube channel to over a thousand subscribers, now hitting around 630. So Apparently, there are people that do watch it. They're growing our Hearts EVs local group as well. So uh, that'd, be, that'd be quite exciting this year. Um, and looking to plan some special trips in my little BMW i3. So planning is definitely afoot for that. Sounds exciting. When's your first Hearts EV group meet this year? Do you have a date for that yet? We haven't yet. I know that the first, I think uh, the Sussex EV one is due at the end of January. So... I would imagine we'll probably be looking around February time uh, once me and Rob have had a chance to sort of catch up with each other and start planning. But I'm hoping to get one in in February at some point. Excellent. Let's hope the weather holds out for you. Although with the way global warming's going, we'll be there with suntan lotions to fly that in well, February soon, won't in- we? indeed. <laughs> Our feature topic today relates to facts and figures. We've already talked on this podcast about the myths and legends that have sprung up around EVs and renewables. Some of the most egregious ones are easily disproved, like you can't take them through a car wash or use or charge them in the rain. But what I wanted to do today was to set out a bunch of statistics and data that will hopefully change the way you think about EVs and renewables. And we'll do some of this in a sort of a, a Q&A format. We'll ask the question, you'll get a few moments to think about the answer, or indeed to choose one of our multiple choices, and then we'll tell you the answer. We're going to look at engine efficiency versus electric motor efficiency, renewable power, EV penetration into the market, and some stats about charging and chargers in general. Most of the data will be UK focused, but we will use data for other countries where it's relevant. So let's get started. So the first question is an easy one. How efficient is an internal combustion engine? Ooh, 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 ooh. I know this. I know this. Oh, oh, I'll give you some multiple choices. Go on. I will. I will try and give you some chances to answer this. So, A is it eighty-one percent? B seventy-three percent? C twenty-nine percent? Or D thirteen percent? The answer is thirteen percent. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Efficiency. That's atrocious. It is atrocious. Efficiency of an ICE engine energy source to wheels is 13% and ice itself loses 70% of its energy in heat and noise. Oh, that oh. is not good. Let's ask the same question for electric motor in an EV. How efficient is an EV's electric motor? And I've got four options for you. Oh, go A, 81%, B, 73%, C, 29%, or D, 13%. Dramatic music. The answer is 73%. Wow. From electricity source to the wheels, the efficiency of an electric motor is 73%. The motor itself only loses 10% of its energy when it's actually being used. Or if you put it in another way, if you're paying, for example, £5.70 per gallon of fuel, which is what we typically pay here in the UK, 
The equivalent of £4.95 <laughs> of that is completely wasted and doesn't go towards moving the car at all. That's crazy. And yet millions of cars are, wa- are wandering around with just such a level of efficiency or lack of efficiency every single day. Fantastic. So let's take a look at some of the other statistics related to power and the power usage. Now, we talk about renewables in the UK. And people say that getting the whole country to renewables, it's a pipe dream or something that'll take forever. But in reality, it's not completely unattainable. And we know this because we're making progress towards that goal every month. For example, in the UK on August the 17th, 2019, we had the lowest ever carbon intensity. 87.9% of electricity in the UK was produced using renewables, which was releasing just 57 grams of carbon dioxide per kilowatt hour. For coal, in 2012, coal was 42% of the source of power in our grid. In 2019, we went 437 and a half hours, which is 18 days, without burning any coal whatsoever. And that's the longest time this country has gone without burning coal for power since the start of the Industrial Revolution in the 19th century. On May the 14th last year, we produced 9,550 megawatts of electricity purely from solar power. And that's enough to power about 1.9 million 5-watt LED bulbs. On December the 10th, wind supplied 44% of the UK's electricity as a whole, 16,873 megawatts. And we'll talk about wind a little more in a moment although that data comes from the National Grid and there's a link in the notes to show you where that data is. The elephant in the room with power sources is obviously coal. As we just mentioned, the UK has gone from having 42% of its generation via coal in 2012 down to running 18 days without coal last year. The average over 12 months is now around 6%. It's also worth remembering that Germany, a big coal user, has committed to closing its 84 coal-powered stations by 2038. China has huge deposits of coal. However, the share of coal in their energy mix declined during the 2010s, falling from 80% in 2010 to 60% in 2017. It's still high, but it's better. Ironically, China is a net importer of coal, getting a lot from Indonesia and Australia. In light of the public health and sustainable development, China has become a keen driver on the development of renewable energy on a global level by being a manufacturer and investor, especially on solar energy. In just four years, along with the renewable energy consumption, the solar power generation in China has increased exponentially to more than 100 terawatt hours. For comparison, the UK's total energy consumption in electricity in 2015 was 335 terawatt hours. So China is producing the equivalent of a third of the UK's total electricity requirements purely through solar in a country which is 60% coal powered. That's pretty impressive if you think about it. Everybody badmouths China for for doing a lot of coal quite rightly, but then they still come out with, you know, huge figures on solar like that. It's That's ridiculous. Mad. In June 2017, renewables and nuclear energy generated more UK power than gas and coal together for the first time ever. In 2017, new offshore wind power became cheaper than new nuclear power for the first time ever. Let's look at Scotland, because Scotland is a bit of a mecca for wind farms and wind power. On Sunday the 7th of August 2019, a combination of high wind and low consumption 
caused more wind power generation, 106%, than consumption in Scotland. In other words, they were producing more power than they actually needed. On average, year-round, renewables contribute over half of Scotland's energy, and on the island of Orkney, that figure is regularly over 100%. To put this in perspective, an EV on charge in Scotland is producing about 3.5 grams of CO2 per kilometre. A similar internal combustion engine car produces 120 grams of CO2 per kilometre. That's a differential of 34 times. And this doesn't include the amount of emissions from refining, transporting and storing petrol or diesel. Because, as you know, petrol doesn't appear fully formed at petrol station. <laughs> it needs to be drilled for, stored, refined and transported. And each step produces CO2 emissions. So let's stay with fossil fuel cars for a moment. There have been a lot of high profile stories about EVs running out of charge as well as EVs bursting into flames from battery fires. In isolation, these figures look bad, but look at the figures in context and it's nowhere near as a bigger problem as people imagine. On average, how many cars run out of fuel in the UK per day? Ooh, mm. Do we have some options? Oh, we do. So option A, 200. Option B, 500. Option C, 1,500. Option D, 2,000. Dramatic music. The answer is? It's D, 2,000 cars per day. (laughs) (laughs) So that's right. Over 2,000 ICE cars run out of fuel per day in the UK, which is incompetent, really, isn't it? In the big scheme of things, especially when people start talking about, oh, I can't, I wouldn't go into an EV because I don't have the uh, range, you know, I'd run out of fuel. Well, yeah, there we go. Let's look at fires. Fires in general, on average, how many motor vehicles, how many cars burst into flame in the UK oh, well, no, per day? Oh, I know this one. Oh, oh, oh. Can I give you some figures? Oh, cool. A, 200. B, 500. C, 1500. Or D, 2000. Dum, 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 dum. So what is it then? It's D, 200. On average, there are 200 car fires every day in internal combustion engine vehicles. If we go across to our good friends across the pond in the US, they have 5,000 fires <laughs> at petrol stations every year, and 61% of those are caused by vehicles. In the US alone in 2018, 181,500 fires occurred in petrol cars. But tell me how dangerous these battery power cars are, because, you know, they've, they've got six on record that burst that's, into flames or something like that. You that's know? madness. It's just... <laughs> It's perspective. That's all it is, really, if you it, think it about is, it. Nobody's but... going to report the 181,000. Uh, it it wouldn't uh, make good the headlines, would it, at all? <laughs> exactly. But, you know, some Tesla, you well, know, has an accident, bursts into flames. Front page news. Yeah. I want to move on to EV sales themselves. We may not understand this or appreciate it, but a lot of the people who listen to this podcast, and I know myself and, and you, Simon, we tend to live in a little bit of a social media bubble. Mm. Um, And we tend to think because of that, that EVs are a huge part of society because it's all over our timelines. We see the number of cars being produced. We see the Model 3s on the road. We see the pipeline of EVs from major manufacturers. And we think that EVs are a major part of everyday life. But in reality, they're not. In 2019, the best-selling non-Tesla BEV or battery electric vehicle was the BMW i3, which sold a grand total of around 3,000 units. So the Model 3 sold 5,500 units, all in quarter three. 
For comparison, the UK registered 1.7 million diesel and petrol vehicles in the first three quarters of 2019. So what percentage of total sales are made up of ultra-low emission vehicles in the UK, do we think? Go on, give me the options. Option A, 10.2%. Option B, 5.8%. Option C, 3.1%. Option D, 2.4%. Oh, I'm going to be optimistic and say it's 5.8. Am I right? EVs account for a little over 3.1% of the UK market. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's quite low. So in December of 2019, Tesla sold 2,824 Model 3s. The biggest seller, VW's Golf, including eGolf, sold 4,585. That's pretty impressive for a car that's only been on the market for four months. However, the Tesla Model 3 is the biggest selling car in Norway. Full stop. Also, more than half of the new cars sold in Norway have a plug socket to charge them. What we're saying there is, going a little bit off script, mm-hmm. is that the the number of BEVs being sold is small as a proportion of the total number of vehicles for sale. But it's actually becoming more and more impressive and a bigger number um, as the days go on and as the quarters yeah. accumulate. Indeed. All right. Well, on that topic, let's look at the recent figures released by the SMMT, which is the Society of Motor Manufacturers and Traders. And they revealed that overall, car registrations in the UK are down 2.4% year on year. However, BEV, FEV and HEV, which I think are battery electric vehicles, plug-in hybrid electric vehicles and hybrid electric vehicles, are up 20.6% year on year. Now, the only fly in this ointment is the huge increase in what they what have been termed mild hybrid electric vehicles, which, as we know, they're just basically petrol cars. And that's up 333% year on year, although the actual figure sold is less than a third of the EV figure. And we can put this all down to three words, self, charging, hybrid. Leave the room now. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm going to change the subject slightly. Let's move from cars which are a small portion of the uh, picture. And let's go and look at our old friend, China. In China, they've gone for electric vehicles in a big way. Out of almost 425,000 e-buses, so buses run by electricity worldwide at the end of last year, 421,000 were in China. The global e-bus fleet grew about 32% in 2018, according to a Bloomberg NEF report released last year with the vast majority hitting the road in China. Europe had a grand total of 2,250 electric buses, which is one half of 1% of the global total. China's municipal e-bus fleet is projected to rise to more than 600,000 by 2025. China also has the largest fleet of electric taxis in the world. Beijing alone has 70,000 of them. Shenzhen, which is a much smaller city, has almost 22,000 of them and 22,000 public charging stations. Dundee, by contrast, has about 112 electric taxis. London has 22,000 licensed black cabs, but only about 450 of them are electric. And I believe none of them are full electric. I think they're Mm, all either wrecks or hybrid, depending on how you want to look at it. But none of these will work unless we have enough chargers. So let's look at the data. There are now more charging locations than petrol stations in the UK. There are now almost 17,000 public EV charging devices in total, according to Zatmo. 
providing more than 29,000 connectors for EV drivers across the UK, cited at over 10,500 locations. The UK's charging point network is now significant with continued growth forecast. The number of devices, for example, is 52% up on 2018, and the number of new public EV charge point locations added has grown 57% compared to last year. Significant increases in ultra-rapid charge points have come about in 2019, with more than 800 connectors available to drivers. This is up from 500 this time last year, although a lot of those were Tesla superchargers. The top three charging companies in the UK in terms of chargers installed are... Dun, ooh, ooh, dun, ooh, dum, dun, dum, dum. Polar, BP Charge Master, Ubertricity, and Podpoint. Oh, now did that surprise you when you learned that? It, it did. Obviously, you, you asked me the question on on my live um, stream the other night, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Well, I got. I think I got one of them. I got Polar and BP Charge Master. But I, to be honest, I hadn't heard of Ubertricity either. Ubertricity provide a lot of the. What's the word I'm looking for? The uh, lamppost charging in London. Uh, you know, the, the actual uh, on the side of the road yeah. charging. And because they're big in London, Got by definition, big. they're one of the big companies. Yeah. So even yeah. though you may not have heard them, and I don't know anybody who's used one outside of London, they're still the second biggest in the uh, in the country. Yeah, that was surprising. Now, our good friends Instavolt and Engini only command around 3% of the market, but they're all rapid chargers, not destination chargers. So... Let's have a quick summary here. We've thrown a lot of data at you today, and some of it you probably know. Some of it was hopefully new to you. But what it does indicate overall is a number of things. We're actually making good progress with renewables, especially in the UK. In fact, if you look at places like Scotland, we're making great progress. Other parts of the globe are playing catch-up in some areas, such as coal usage, and they're way ahead in others, such as EV buses and taxis and the uptake of EVs in general in places like Norway. And while every increase in EV sales is welcome, it's still just a drop in the ocean compared with internal combustion engine vehicles. Links to a lot of the data we've talked about today are in the show notes, so follow the links to find out more. So let's wrap it up by seeing if there's some cool EV or renewable thing you've come across that we can share with our listeners. So yeah, here's mine. Now this is something that whilst I do like a bit of fun on crazy electric vehicles, uh, as people that know me (laughs) realise. I wasn't expecting to like this one. So Segway, so people that um, know Segway, they've built multiple things. Um, Segways, if you've ever been to centre parks, you'll you'll be able to ride Segways. Two-wheel, off-road and on-road electric vehicles that you stand on. Scooters, um, even electric roller skates, which um, I do want to have a go on, but haven't had a try yet they've actually announced in beijing last week an electric motorbike this thing's got a top speed of 125 miles an hour not to 60 in under three seconds so uh, they, they released a video basically so there's not much to show in terms of details at the moment but they did release a video with this thing flying around a track so it does look pretty finished this could be a really exciting development in the EV bike markets. This is an interesting development, the fact that Segway company that's predominantly not been in this market, they they really want to look like they're they're moving towards that. Now what got me excited as well as along with how cool this looks and you know what it could potentially do is what else does Segway want to get into? Well if you think about it they've 
from the day they started, they were an electric vehicle manufacturer because mm. the vehicles that they that they provide the you know the traditional Segway that you talked about, the two wheel thing that you stand on, that is powered by a, a battery. So mm. they've kind of got that in the DNA. One of the other things they announced last week was. It was a Segway you can actually sit in. It looked a little bit like yes. a cross between a Segway and a wheelchair, didn't it? You kind of sat in yeah. it almost like a wheelchair and it had the two wheels like a wheelchair, but it didn't have the two little wheels at the front. It just balanced on the two and went on. So you've gone from having you know, two wheels and a little bar that you can stand on to two wheels and a chair that you can sit on to two wheels front and back with a with a, a seat that you can sit on that becomes a motorbike and mm. as you say maybe the next logical step is well let's scale that up and see whether we can get a segway car yeah i mean i I, I, I I could potentially see this going against what's the little swedish a uh, unity uh unity is quite a small yes kind of two-person city car Mm-hmm. there's probably not much of a leap to go from a, a motorbike if it's successful to something like that for my cool thing well very much along the lines of things we've spoken about today i wanted to talk about an electric coach we've mentioned the large number of buses that china has electrified but there's also a more upmarket version out there built for more comfortable longer distance motoring motor coach industries has produced it it looks really nice, and it's called, it's a bit of a mouthful, it's the MCRD 45 CRTELE Charge. <laughs> it is, of course. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I didn't name it. I'm just reading what it says. It is, of course, 100% electric. The battery is, wait for it, 389 kilowatt hour, upgradable to 400, sorry, 544 kilowatt hour with a 750 volt high torque Siemens electric drive motor with 350 horsepower and a maximum torque of 3,320 foot-pounds, if you speak that language. Mm. Uh, It charges to full in less than three hours with 150 kilowatt in-depot charger. They reckon the smaller battery will be good for about 200 miles and the larger for 300-ish. Not particularly good if you look at the the range for the battery size, but when you consider mm. this is a you know seventy five eighty Coach. foot long vehicle, yeah, it's, it's a two story one as well. You know, it's got the stairs inside and mm. uh, pretty impressive looking thing. Uh, the new model will be demonstrated over the next three months in California in an express route transportation with a company called Flixbus. The first route will be Sacramento to San Francisco, so. There is a lot of potential there, especially out in places like California, where they go for this uh, big time. So yeah. keep an eye out on that. We'll see what happens. It's interesting because they're, they're, they're the ones that, you know, both of us have always said, big, big vehicles, the amount of batteries that you can stick along the bottom of something like that just makes sense. And they don't go huge distances. Indeed. Mm. So check out the video in the link and you'll see what it looks like. Quite a nice looking vehicle. A uh, little tour around shows you out on the uh, out on the road. And that's that. And that's our show for today. Hope you enjoyed listening to it. If you want to contact us, Simon can be found at the EV side on Twitter and YouTube. And I am the real Gary C on Twitter. If you want to contact us on Twitter, use either of those or use the EV Musings Twitter account, Musings EV. If you're wanting a quick reference book to read on your Kindle, I wrote a little something called So You've Gone Electric. It's available on Amazon Worldwide for the measly sum of 99p or equivalent, and it's a great little introduction to living with an electric car. Links for everything we've talked about in the podcast today are in the description. 
If you've enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe. We're available on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave a review as it helps to raise our profile and gets us out to other people, which we think is always nice. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye now.